0: Hey, what's good, Jazz fans? Welcome to Jabber Jazz, where you get your ad-free, fan-driven Utah Jazz basketball talk each week. And we got a really, really special episode today. Uh, I'm joined by some two awesome guests who are going to help me draft Utah Jazz assets. First, we got uh, someone who just dropped an awesome draft pick evaluator tool that you need to check out on his Twitter, McCade Pearson. What's going on, buddy?
1: Not much. First, big shout out to you two. You two helped a ton with that. Um, I'm good. I got Knicks Pistons on in the background. Boyan Bogdanovich is playing in a Pistons jersey, and Donovan Mitchell is not playing in a Knicks jersey.
0: That's great. And then we've also got uh, someone who dropped an incredible article as well, draft pick related, specifically on um, isolating the true value of NBA draft picks. Riley Gisman dropped that article on Salt City Hoops. Riley, thanks so much for coming on, man.
2: Yeah, thank you, Adam.
0: Excited to be here. Okay, so like I mentioned, we are drafting Utah Jazz assets. Jazz made a ton of trades over the offseason, tons of movement, and Danny Ainge restocked the Jazz coffers, and we've got a brand new team right in front of us that we're getting to know right now. And so we're going to evaluate the kind of value that, uh, that they have. And we're specifically trying to, to go about the idea that if we had to split the jazz today and we assigned Riley and McCade as new GMs, each their respective groups, what would they want to start off with asset-wise as they prepare for the future leading out these new teams. So that's kind of the idea that we're going about. And uh, before we get in, I'll just explain some process and rules real quick. So McKay and Riley are going to take turns drafting, and I'm going to be the host moderator for good or bad. (laughs) Um, So we're going to go go, uh, every other pick. While not quite the most fair, you know. It's uh, it's gonna make McCade, who has the second pick, it's gonna really uh, flex his GM muscles, which which will be fun. Uh, each will get 60 seconds to make their pick while they're uh, waiting to make their selection. We're gonna just get some insight from from whomever made their their selection just barely. And then uh, throughout, uh, we'll stop every once in a while, catch up on on the selections that were made, and just kind of speak candidly about uh, surprises or, you know, differences in philosophy, that, that kind of a thing. Uh, we're going to have 48 possible selections. You can see them on the screen here. And if you haven't yet, please consider tuning in via YouTube, our YouTube channel Jabber Jazz, where you'll be able to see the draft board and see all the picks that McCade and Riley are going to make and see all our lovely faces and jazz uh, gear <laughs> uh, in person. So we've got the uh, draft board up here, 48 selections between players, picks, and other assets. Uh, And the considerations for all of these, we chose all the players that are on the training camp roster outside of the two-way contract we have. Uh, We chose to do all first and second round picks. And the other assets we're considering are cap space for the next consecutive years and uh, the current trade exceptions that the Jazz have at their disposal so mccade and riley in your 30 seconds you'll be able to go into as much depth or as surface level as you want for how you determined uh, the value to make your selection you guys ready to do it As ready as i'm going to get let's go i'm excited all righty so riley is up with his (laughs) riley's up with his first uh pick i'm going to start the clock and uh, so you got 60 seconds to kind of come up with, uh, with what you wanted, but as prepared as I think you are, I don't think it'll be <laughs> that long. <laughs>
2: yeah, I think we can jump, just jump right into it. Um, let's just go right off the bat with the 2023 uh, first-round pick for the Jazz. Um, it's unprotected, so that's really useful. Um, they, they're expected to lose a lot of games. Uh, whether or not they do remains to be seen. Um, but we can expect that to be a mid-to-high lottery pick at the very least, um, which is better than anyone else that we've got on the roster right now, um, at least in terms of asset value. So,
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. So McCade still has 40 seconds to make his second selection, but uh, I, I think some fans might be a little surprised by uh, you know the 2023 pick going first off the board as opposed to some of those that are further down the line. Primarily just because I think a lot of us tend to think, oh, what could happen? Instead of, as you pointed out in your, in your uh, article, a lot of what, uh, what goes into the value of these picks is just when they'll convey. Yep, exactly.
1: So you threw me for a loop there. I was going to take them with my first pick. Um, I'm going to go with Ocho- Ochai baji first, simply because he's the only rookie contract lottery pick we have. And just by default, that makes him the most likely to become a Hall of Famer of all our teams. Even if that likelihood is half a percent, it's still better than anything else we got. And you need a Hall of Famer to win championships. And so, even at 0.5%, I think that's the next best value. Wow.
0: Yeah, I, I also think that that's a bit surprising. I, I think, uh, you know, as far as players might go, I think normal, fan, uh, you know, most fans might consider Colin Sexton. As being uh, as being the, the target there, just given that you know uh, team control for a good amount of years with that uh, ex- uh, with that re-sign in the sign and trade, uh, excellent you know value contract and uh, and what he showed as you know. At the very least, you know a ceiling in uh, two years ago when uh, when he was kind of a Donovan Mitchell light, 75 percent of Donovan. So that's pretty interesting. All right, Riley, you ready to go with your with your second pick, the third overall?
2: I'm ready. And actually, I had I had Ochai all the way down at six um, on my board. That's because I have a number of first round draft picks. The next one I have is 2026 20, as my number two selection. Third. I guess, third overall selection. Um, the, the, the primary thought process between, um, you know, a Chai versus a draft pick like 2026, 2026 in particular because there's a pick swap attached to that, um, both for Minnesota and Cleveland. And so if the Jazz were to convey their pick earlier, then they have full control of the worst team of those three, whoever they pick, whatever pick they have. Um, And so I find that pick to be likely to end up in the lottery as well as 24 and 25, but 24 and 25 have a chance of not conveying if the Jazz were to be 11 through 30 or 9 through 30 in those two years. Um, As as for Igbaji versus a first-round pick, I I think the value lies in the unknown, um, where Igbaje is, is a solid player, and, and I, I don't doubt that he has a chance to become a championship-level player. Um, but he is 22. He was the 13th pick in the draft. Um, and, and I see less of a route to championship contention through a player, an individual, than I do through a draft pick where it could end as high as number one, and it could become a player,
0: Steph Curry, Dame Lillard, whoever else. That's fantastic, Riley. Thank, thanks so much, and especially thanks for pointing out your your kind of philosophy difference on on Oshai. That's great. Uh, you're about up, McCade, Man, you you know where you want to go with this next selection.
1: I had that at number twelve. Yeah, I'm rolling with Colin Sexton next. Um, I had him third on my board. Uh, going back to the same thing with Abadji, you just need talent, and there's two very specific paths where Colin Sexton could be a big positive asset for the Jazz. A, he could just be a great basketball player, be top 40 in the league, and that's just a great player to have. B, he could you know be top 80, top 60, and at his contract, especially as the cap continues to go up, he could be a very tradable asset. Um, there's a lot weighing on him on what he is as an NBA player, and if that breaks right, it will benefit the Jazz, whether that's on the roster or as a trade asset. And so that double-edged... That two-possibility benefit uh, rose him to number three on my draft board.
0: Yeah, Colin's extremely interesting because usually, you know, when, when you get a player as young as him who moves teams, you know, they kind of call that the second draft in a way. Um, but usually you aren't seeing a type of player in a second draft type of scenario who kind of had the, the type of campaign he had in, in his third year. So really interesting uh, floor and ceiling kind of discussion for what Colin could be that, that'll, that'll be really fascinating. So I started the timer late, Riley, but uh, you're, you're, you're free to go whenever, whenever you feel like you're ready. Perfect.
2: Um, okay, I'm, I'm going to pivot my, uh, my strategy here um, because McCade's going more with players rather than picks, um, and, and I want to take Jared Vanderbilt. Um, Vanderbilt is still just 21 years old, He's been in the league for four years, but he's already turned himself into a a very solid, positive defensive player. Um, You don't see quite as much room for growth on the offensive end for him as you would, say, an Ochai Agbaji or or a Colin Sexton. Um, But as you've seen with a number of teams, you just need solid players to go alongside your stars in order to
0: compete at the highest level. So. Yeah. Speak for just a second. What, because uh, part of what plays into this, and uh, all, us three have discussed previously, is uh, you know team control of the player and and odds of you know bringing them back uh, on the team. Um, you, you know he's got an incredibly friendly contract currently. You know what what would you say are some of the odds of you know keeping him around and and at a cap friendly deal?
2: Yeah. I mean, not only do I think that it's likely that you can uh, keep. Jared Vanderbilt around it seems like that's the probable scenario like that that is the scenario that the guys want to happen uh but but yeah no that said I think that there's a high chance of uh retention with Vanderbilt just because he's a, a necessary player on a championship contender and you often don't get a, a one-to-one value when you look at an offensive player versus a defensive player you'll you'll typically get a little bit more value when you touch on a, a defensive player
0: all right, McCade, you're up with the sixth overall pick in your third selection. Where are you going, man?
1: No, I had JV at number five as well, so that's great value. I had four players I had circled, the last one being Laurie Markkinen, um, just above JV. Again, we've seen Markkinen play phenomenal for Finland in September. He looked okay in the first preseason game. We have another one tonight. Um He is another guy who, at least on paper, still has a little bit of all-star potential. A lot like Sexton. Maybe he hits a ceiling and goes a little higher. Maybe he becomes a super, super solid role player. Um, At the very minimum, he's good salary matching, like we just saw in the Don Mitchell trade. There's a lot of possibilities for Laurie Markkinen to be a positive player for the Utah Jazz. Again, as a player or a trade asset, and that just intrigues me. Very similar to Colin Sexton, just not quite as ceiling heavy.
0: Yeah, he's extremely interesting because he went to Eurobasket, got all this responsibility, found a ton of success, and it seemed as though he would be returning to a scenario where all that opportunity and responsibility would be stripped away, but instead redirected to the Jazz where, you know, his role is going to be a lot closer to what he kind of played in Eurobasket than it, than it would have been with the Cleveland Cavaliers. All right, Riley. I started the clock again late, but uh, you know when, when you're ready, go for it. Where are you going with number seven?
2: Let's go with Malik Beasley. Um, Beasley he is still um, Beasley is just 25 years old. Yeah. Um, he's just 25 years old. Uh, he's on a very team friendly contract. He's got a team option on the second year of that contract. Um, it is it's worth I think 15 million, um, which I, I wouldn't quite put Beasley at that level yet. Um, but with both his, his experience, his constant progression um, in the NBA as a player left us with a very straightforward path to him also, just like Jared Vanderbilt, being a successful role player on a championship contender.
0: Yeah, yeah, Malik is super interesting, um, and, and I, I personally am a little surprised he went this high, uh, primarily just because, you know, he's in a contract year. Um, but you know the the Jazz do have uh, you know real opportunity to keep him, and uh, but and, and like you mentioned, I believe he turns twenty five at the in the middle of November. So super super young guy still, um, and and the the resume that he has a, of being a, a, a consistent shooter both off the bounce, and as a catch-and-shoot guy, I just you know think it it really preserves a, a pretty high floor uh, for what he can do. So, you know, I, I could have seen that kind of going either way. So that's pretty interesting.
2: Some, something else with Malik Beasley. Uh, I think most Jazz fans will have noticed how professional he's been um, with the team so far. Uh, he showed up in a suit and tie. He's been extremely straightforward that his goals are to win, and he's going to do everything in his power to do that and I think that while it is one thing to say things and and it's another to you know follow those up with actions um, I think that it's important to say those right things and I think that that more than anything else we have on a lot of these players is a, a guiding star towards him becoming a very good player so
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, he said all the right things, and um, I, I, I have hope that, uh, that there's a, a career turnaround and, and personal turnaround for him. So, McCade, you're up, man. Where do you want to go with the eighth overall pick, your fourth selection?
1: Utah 2024 first. Um, we all like to think we're getting Victor Wembanyama, a superstar in this next draft chances are it's not going to be a one-year rebuild uh, and chances are that's going to be a bad pick as well the quirk on this pick of course is it is top 10 protected to oklahoma city so you are going to have to be bad to get a hold of it but assuming the jazz do have that bottom 10 pick that's a bottom 10 pick they're going to put in their uh rotation and hopefully championship team
0: yeah yeah so that one is, is really interesting um I was going to mention on the 2026 pick that that was made by Riley at the first overall pick the one um, or excuse me the number three uh, overall pick which is that uh, that uh, swap right in 2026 with Utah Minnesota and Cleveland you know that one does get a little bit hairy if the Jazz are bad you know really early but with how that how it seems like they're they're Trying to go about things, at least to start this year, is to try to build some winning culture, try to establish um, some winning habits and and things like that. So it may be that the Jazz really are indeed bad enough, late enough, for that 2026 pick uh, to... Uh, not convey to Oklahoma City jazz preserve the rights and therefore that 2024 one being assuredly going to convey to the jazz so that that one is really interesting okay so Riley you are up
2: okay perfect Um, with that so that 2025 uh, I I, I like the 2026 pick more than the 2024 pick um, just because I do see that progression of the winning culture Um, I think there's a high likelihood that the pick conveys either in 2024 or 2025 Um, and so I think that you know 2026 inherently has more value only because I think that it does not have a chance of not conveying um, for for two reasons I think that if Utah does um, keep that 24 and 25 pick then in 26 it's more likely um, that that they will then have the choice of saying, hey, we're going to just tank one more year um, just in case, you know, Cleveland's looking really bad at this point, um, just in case Cleveland wins the lottery by some crazy uh, scenario. Um, and so, yeah, so I do, I like that 26 pick a little bit more. Um, I'll go with the 28 pick for this next one um, for the Jazz as well. Um, again, it's it's in the power of the unknown. Um, I think there's a high likelihood the Jazz are a winning team by then, but you just don't know.
0: So, yeah, and that one in two thousand and twenty-eight, you have that swap right with Cleveland, and so uh, you know, very good chance the Jazz are good and, and maybe Cleveland's good too. But uh, you know, you're you're getting yourself control over, you know, the the destiny, if you will, of two teams, and uh, so th- that that one definitely has uh, a lot of value inherently. All right, McCade, what What are you thinking, man, for the 10th uh, selection here?
1: Number 10, I got another player for you. Uh, Walker Kessler, um, a lot less potential than Abaji, I think. But at the same time, you just don't know what you have in a rookie. And actually having a rookie who theoretically should get decently heavy minutes on this team intrigues me. I think... Uh, theoretically, in a successful rebuild, you, also, you want to have some players on your roster that you're going to have through the rebuild, and Walker Kessler could be that guy. He could be out of the league in three years. I get that. He could be a Hall of Famer, just like Rudy Gobert. You'd, we don't know. It's obviously likely somewhere in the middle. He's probably not going to be either. But just the potential, at this point, you just got to get as high a ceiling as possible. And you have a rookie who's already getting minutes, and I'd take that over any other pick at this point anyway.
0: Yeah, Kessler is extremely interesting, particular for me because we have, kind of his his polar opposite in a way of Yudoka Azubuki, You know, Doke he's got all the athleticism, he's got the frame, you know, he's he's got the, uh, you know, those those just raw, uh, I guess that raw talent. But on the other hand, Walker Kessler, I got the impression that he's just incredibly incredibly cerebral. Uh, has a, has a real smart approach. And so it'll be interesting to watch those two uh, this year. Uh, well, I mean, maybe watch those two, yeah you know, kind of being a, a cut candidate, but uh, that, that will be interesting to watch play out because we are kind of getting a, a different type of uh, backup center to kind of evaluate. All right, Riley, you are up, man.
2: Okay. Perfect. Um, yeah, I've already got mine. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and counter um, McCade's pick by picking the last rookie um, for the Jazz, Simone Fontecchio. Um, he, he did fall down on my board a little bit after not playing uh, much in that first preseason game. Um, but again, it's, it's the same thing. Just he's a rookie and value lies in the unknown um, when you're a tanking team like the Jazz. And really, we don't know that much about him. We know that he's a very good shooter. We know that he can handle the ball um, and, and pass a little bit. Uh, but he's a 26-year-old um, on, on a $3 million deal. Um, he's non-guaranteed in the second year, I believe. And, you know, you put all of that together, and you could get a player who's contributing something like seven, eight, nine wins to wins towards a very good winning team in the future on a – smaller contract than
0: you'd expect so yeah super interesting he's got the size he's got the shooting he's got some experience you know it'll be and and if he pans out you know great the likelihood of him being on a non-friendly deal you know by the time you gotta you gotta extend him uh super unlikely and you know if he doesn't pan out he doesn't pan out no big deal all right mccade where are you going
1: that was my next pick riley smart move Um, I'm going to go with the Utah 2025 first. Uh, We don't need to talk about this too much more than the Utah 2024 first. I get the Thunder protections are there, and you hope to just convey this pick sooner rather than later because of that 2026 pick swap. At the same time, I say this all the time in regards to the NFL, you just got to keep trying to get your quarterback until you do. Same thing in the NBA. You've got to keep trying to get your superstar until you do. And so I'm going to keep taking these Utah picks until we get our superstar. So... I'll go with Utah 2025 first here.
0: Yeah, what the Jazz have, you know, an incredible luxury that few tanking teams actually have. And I think we're kind of seeing it in the Spurs a little bit, is that we have so many players who could be just incredible complements to a contending team if you land if you land that superstar. If if you get him in, in the next, you know, one to three drafts. And you've got team control over these guys. All of a sudden, you can go from zero to hero pretty darn quick. All right, Riley, you got eight seconds left before your next selection.
2: All right, yeah, my uh, my next pick is going to be the twenty twenty nine Cleveland first. Um, with twenty twenty nine, we have three firsts, um, and the comparison for me comes down to. Uh, well, first of all, Minnesota's top three protected. Um, but the comparison for me comes down to, you know, Utah's roster is going to be made up of all of these guys that we've drafted at that point. Um, as as well as, you know, maybe Igbaji, maybe Kessler, maybe whoever else makes it to that point. But we'll have a lot of value added up at that point. Um, Cleveland, on the other hand, they have four young all-stars right now. But Darius Garland is the only one who will be under contract right now as of 2029. Um, and not only does does that spell bad news if they were to not keep those other players, but there's also the chance that one of those players doesn't work out. Um, and, and, you know, maybe Jared Allen had one great year where he ended up being an all star caliber player, but he's not that anymore. Um, while, while I don't get those same feelings with Utah's roster or with Minnesota's roster.
0: It's interesting they also it doesn't appear like they'll have much of an opportunity to to tie up some of these guys on those you know super team friendly from a, from an all-star standpoint perspective team friendly contracts before before the cap starts going up they're going to be right in the thick of the cap going up and and using a lot of their cap space on on their you know their four prospective all-stars
1: Alright, me up at 14. This is gonna probably catch you out of left field. I put the 2027 cap space. Um theoretically, on paper, that's when Victor Wimpignana's contract extension kicks in. And so that's your deadline to really set your team in stone for that era. The Jazz one with Mike Conley this past time, it didn't work out how we wanted. We just saw the Mavericks do basically nothing with that time frame in Luca. You really have to hit Cap Space 2027 if you're gonna hit your 2023 first-round pick. Um, As of right now, the Jazz have three cap holds for that summer. It would be the two first-round pick rookies and Colin Sexton. Um, So we'll see where those three are, if they're on the Jazz, if they're any good, all that fun stuff. But that's your deadline, uh, really trade deadline 2028 – sorry, trade deadline 2027 um, to really put everything together if you want 2027 to 2031 to be a title contention team on your 2023 first-round pick second contract.
0: You know, I think a super underrated pick because, yeah, it, it, it's really important. And and Riley mentioned it in his article that that the real value is surrounding uh, a, a clear franchise player with talent on his rookie deal, and as they're going into that second that second uh, that second deal off their rookie contract, that uh, that they're a championship contender right then. All right, Riley, where are you hoping to go here with the 15th pick?
2: You know, McCade, uh, he's right on my line of thinking. Um, I'm going to go with the 2025, or excuse me, 2028 cap space. Um, So just the year right after, there's a chance we draft, you know, the next Victor Wambanyama in 2024, um, which likely DJ Wagner. Uh, There's a couple other names that you might know. I mean, (laughs) Brawny. Who knows? But, no, yeah, 2028 will have uh, that deadline as well for uh, that max contract.
1: All right, I'm going to follow Riley's line of thinking here and start going back to some draft picks. I got Cleveland's 2027 next for the 16th pick. Um, This is post-Donovan Mitchell. Theoretically, Rudy Gobert's still around in Minnesota. Theoretically, the Jazz are good. Um, Anytime you get an unprotected first-round pick after the player you traded away is gone, uh, I'll take that any day of the week. I also think, as we just talked about, that 2027 time frame is so important. And based on how Cleveland is in 2024, 5, 6, this is either a great trade asset or a great pick to hold on to. Um, and so we'll see where Cleveland is and decide if we want to cash in that asset before the draft or, you know, take a number one overall pick with that pick. Um, so I have Cleveland 2027 there.
0: So I'm going to take just a second to recap uh, where we are. We've gone through 16 picks. So we have uh, eight assets on either side for McCade and Riley. Riley's uh, section uh, comprises uh, the 2023 first from Utah, the 2026 first that is uh, protected to Oklahoma City, but the Jazz also have rights to the swap for Minnesota and Cleveland. Riley also has Jared Vanderbilt, Malik Beasley, the first in 2028 for the Utah Jazz that has a swap right with Cleveland, Simone Fontecchio, the unprotected first in 2029 from Cleveland, and cap space in 2028. So that's Riley's team thus far with eight selections. McCade uh, has Oshai Abaji, Colin Sexton, Larry Markkanen, the 2024 Utah first-round pick, Walker Kessler, 2025 first from Utah, cap space 2027 and the cleveland first in 2027 which is fully unprotected so that's where we stand eight selections in for each of these guys you ready to keep on going let's go all right riley you're up man uh
2: so i'm just going to follow up what mckay had had and uh do 2027 for minnesota um it's the same sort of scenario rudy gobert's contract will end by 2026 i believe and uh There's there's a chance that Rudy's still there and he could be still good, but I think that it's more likely than not that he is not quite as good as he is now. Um, Anthony Edwards will be 27, I believe, and Karl Anthony Towns will be reaching his 30s. Um, And so I think there's enough room for something to go wrong there, uh, that
0: you know that could end up being a lottery pick.
1: That was my next pick.
0: Yeah, a lot a lot can uh, a lot can change when you push all the chips in.
1: Um. let's keep rolling with 2027 picks. I'm taking Utah's 2027 pick there. Um, hopefully this isn't a good pick draft-wise, but because of the stipend rule and other things, and you have these other assets around, like the Cleveland, Minnesota 2027 picks, this could be a pick that Jazz could very well and easily trade and still get to be able to build around uh, whatever star we have in twenty twenty five, twenty twenty five six, and whatnot. So that pick, especially as a trade asset compared to a draft asset, I think it has a ton of value. Uh, Riley and I have both really hit how important that twenty twenty seven year is.
0: Yeah, by that time we should we should really have a, a pretty good idea of of what the team is and and what what is missing to really be a contender. And like you said, that's that's a trade asset. You know, to land you. You know that that piece in the rotation that uh, that puts you over the top and and, and keeps you in that contender tier. Uh, you know, or you know, you land uh, a real impact rotation player on a rookie scale contract that uh, that you aren't uh, using on on a player of equal skill set, but but eating a ton into the cap and 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 uh, really tying up flexibility. All right, Riley, what are you thinking, man?
2: Okay, um, let's go with cap space in 2029. Um, that is the that I mean. It's just alongside the same uh, line of thinking as 27 and 28, um, except I I find 29 a little bit a little bit more enticing than 26 or 25, um, because I I feel as though the Jazz are going to go on a two hill sort of. Um, rebuild where they they'll get up to a mediocre level and then they'll get this influx of players from 2025 27 and 29 where they have three picks per draft which is absolutely nuts um and so that cap space in order to capitalize around those um rookie contracts is going to be extremely valuable to uh capitalize on
1: that's fascinating and if we had a few hours i'd love to break into this
0: yeah uh, another pod another pod when we uh Uh, when we dive into some of these bigger conversations down the road, absolutely. And I, uh, I want to just say for all our listeners, if you haven't yet tuned into the YouTube, you'll want to, to see McCade and Riley's reactions when they inevitably have been, uh, you know, selecting what was next on the other's board. Uh, And and you can totally tell it's great.
1: No. Yeah. What's fascinating here is I have, I'm taking 2026 right here. Cap space. Um, More just to really keep open 2027. You have to do a good job. I had, you know, we have 48 assets here. And I had cap space 2029 off my 40 pick board. In my mind, I'm hoping, crossing my fingers, we're in cap held in the luxury tax right there. Like, I want to buy 2029. I want to be in the luxury tax and not thinking about it. If everything goes well before there. So I get Riley's thinking. I'm hoping we're good by then. That we're not worrying about cap space. We're in the luxury tax. Um, His reasoning is sound. I just went with 2026 instead.
0: Yeah, hopefully we're not in the middle ground where, we're, uh, where Danny has, has moved on into retirement and we have, uh, have somebody who's trying to offload some of our, uh, some of our seconds to shed salary <laughs> by that point. All right, Riley, where do you want to go? You are at the 21st overall pick. Um,
2: yeah, I'm going to take 2029 20, Utah. Um, I actually had that right up near the top of my board. Um, I let it fall for quite a bit, but um, i it's just still – there. there's so many um, cycles that an NBA team goes through where you just don't know where the Jazz is going to be in 2029. Um, I, I agree with McCade wholeheartedly where it's like, yeah, ideally we will be in the luxury tax and pushing championship contention in one way or another. But – I still want that 20, first round pick just because I don't want to mess anything up.
0: Well, and if you are in the, the luxury tax at that point, uh, you you want your, your super late uh, you know first to either you know move back to the early second round, right, to get you know similar player, uh, or, or or just to you know bring somebody in you know on on super cap friendly deal. You know, something like that. Just just gives you the options, whereas we've seen in the past recently the Jazz haven't had the option, and they've kind of lost out. All right, McCade, you're up, man.
1: All right, I'm heading back towards players. First, I'm going to start with Mike Conley. Um, again, we're trying to build to this 2027 time frame. I think Mike Conley is a trade asset theoretically by this deadline or maybe next summer, can help you push – when I was on my podcast, Brian Priest, I'd always talk about pushing assets forward and how important that is to win championships. And the Jazz ability to push Mike Conley's value forward in whatever way they can will be a key to the success later in the rebuild. Um, so right now, as a veteran in the locker room, but I still think we should be looking to trade Mike here in the next 12 months. The 14-mil partial guaranteed is a little quirky. He's not at an awful number. So I think this is a good place to take Mike.
0: What, uh, where was Mike Conley on your board, Riley? Curious. Mike was a Mike was a lot
2: lower. Um, I'm surprised
0: that uh, McCade wanted him here.
2: I, I'll I'll follow that up just by going straight into my pick, saying I'm gonna take Minnesota's 2025 um, unprotected pick. Um, that is purely because I if if Minnesota came to us and said, Hey, we'll give you your, our 2025 first round pick for Mike Conley, I would say absolutely give me it. would let's that's a deal. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm going to be heartbroken whatever Mike Conley's traded, but he's not worth the Minnesota 2025 first-round pick.
0: That's a pretty fantastic way to frame it. McCade, uh, any, any comeback <laughs> to save face?
1: No, I think that's totally fair, and that's why teams are in different stages, right? We're in the rebuilding stage. We probably want the Minnesota 2025 pick. I do think the asset we'll eventually get from Mike Conley, will be a better timing and a better pick than the Minnesota 2025. Um, maybe we'll have to throw that on Twitter and come back to it in like 3 years. I just don't have a lot of confidence that Minnesota picks going to be top 25 or so. Um, for sure top 15 and so we'll see what ends up happening. I did have the Minnesota pick right around the corner on my list though. <laughs> so, it's not that's I had it right here in my next 3 or 4 picks.
0: But uh, yeah, I think that's that's mainly why I wanted to have this this exercise because you know we, we all have different you know approaches to the value of these players and and a lot of the times we don't get to you know take a peek into someone else's head and see how they're evaluating and kind of realign what we're thinking uh, to that new information.
1: Um, I got a couple more players I'm pushing forward. First is Jordan Clarkson. Again, get value for Jordan Clarkson even if it's eighty cents on the dollar. Keeping that value in that salary $10, $12, 15000000 million range is really important for this Jazz team. So just keep pushing those assets forward, and that value forward is top priority for me at this point as the 24th pick.
0: Yeah, why did you have Conley above Clarkson in this scenario? I think team control is similar, uh, Jordan making a lot more money, and, and I think market perceived his is a bit better than Conley's at this point. Curious why you had that, uh, that difference.
1: I think Mike Conley is a better player, but he is more of an acquired taste. You're going to need the right injury to happen or the right question to come up for a team to trade Mike Conley. A lot more teams could use Jordan Clarkson, but there'll be a team or two come trade deadline. Once injuries start happening, I think Mike Conley will have more value. But Mike Conley is for sure a shorter window, more perfectly timed trade.
0: That's a fair point because, for you know, for instance, if, if you are trading Mike for positive value, it's likely going to be to a team that's desperate for a skill set whereas with jordan clarkson you know uh, a, a team could just so much as you know land jordan clarkson as as terrence ross or or someone else so that you know that may be a, a contributing factor too all right riley where are you wanting to go
2: <laughs> oh man okay uh we're we're gonna take 2029 20, minnesota um their first round pick it is protected one through five it's unlikely that it doesn't convey um if it if it doesn't convey, it becomes a second-round pick, which is a loss. But, I mean, in the end, there are 25 other picks that it can be. So I'm going to take that one.
1: Theoretically, it should be a top-five second-round pick if it ends up being top-five lottery. Yeah, absolutely. Lottery that round, as well. And in
0: 2029, you know, wouldn't be the worst thing to have, you know, one of the better second-round picks if that was uh, – you know, versus the the alternative of it just never conveying. I guess
1: um, you could argue that if the Jazz are good that year, you want that 32nd overall pick, right? Like that's what Milwaukee just did last year, where they traded back from 25 to 32 just because it's cheaper, shorter contract, all that fun stuff. Um, I had the Minnesota 2029 20, pick next, right after Kelly Olynyk, uh, my third player in this group of three. Of just they have some value now. Make sure you have that value three, four years from now make sure you keep that value floating. So nothing more to say there. We've talked about it to get him out. But those are my three players right here in this grouping.
0: All right, Riley, when uh, when you're ready, man, I think you're up with the uh, number 27 pick.
2: Okay, um, and I'll jump in on Kelly Olynyk as well. Um, he averaged something like, what, 19... Here, I'm pulling it up right now. Uh, 19 points, 8.5 rebounds, and 4 assists per game when he played in Houston. Um, that's in just 31 minutes per game. He was... He was a great player um, for them at that time and uh, a a very good starting caliber um, center. Um, If he were to reach those levels again uh, with his partial guarantee next year, um, we either have the option to let him go uh, going into the next year or he would be getting paid uh, MLE money at $12 million a year. Um, And so ultimately what you're getting is the possibility at a – Solid, very good starting level center, um, and and like McKay said, you you want to hold on to that value, make sure you have it in two three years, um, and so yeah, so I find that important as well. Anyway, so uh, I, I'm going to jump into my first of the buy low, sell high uh, players. I'm going to take Nikhil Alexander Walker.
0: Yeah, so he's really interesting. Uh, I've kind of been out on him a little bit, um, and but I mean that definition of buy low sell high so i i guess you know sell us on the on the uh, i guess the opportunity there to recoup some value and uh and, and you know really come out with a better asset than we've kind of come in
2: yeah no i mean i i agree to an extent um when i when we traded for uh nakeel alexander walker it, it seemed as though it was going to be a like fairly solid trade return for a Joe Ingles that just tore his ACL. Um, you you never expect to get that type of value out of a guy who's gonna leave in free agency. Um, that said, um, yeah, he he was disappointing. He averaged like three points a game and barely played for the Jazz. Um, but you know he was he was solid with New Orleans. He wasn't great, uh, but he has the length to become a very good defender. Um, and I think nobody would deny that he has the chops to become a scorer uh, at the NBA level. He needs to grow in efficiency, but we've seen lots of players do that by changing their shot chart and and doing other things like that. Um, Jordan Clarkson as an example for one. um, I I feel similarly to Nikhil Alexander-Walker as I did Jordan Clarkson at that point in his career.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a a really interesting comparison because at the time... You know, we, we exclusively thought of Jordan Clarkson as as just the gunner, the chucker, uh, and who was detracting severely from the team in either in in other respects. And you know, he's he's proved to be a lot more efficient than his than his Cleveland and, and Laker days, um, and and has shown to be you know a positive uh, culture figure for uh, for the team. Um, still drives you nuts on on a lot of different plays but uh, you know it kind of kind of comes with the territory of of his ilk exactly do you do you have any uh you know from how the how the draft has kind of played out you know what uh how mccade has kind of approached how you've kind of approached any surprises that we haven't mentioned thus far
2: i'm surprised we haven't touched on the 2025 cap space yet and, and I avoided it this last time to take Alexander Walker out of fear that McCade would take Alexander Walker. Yeah. But that is right around the time where these players that we're drafting in the next two years will be on a rookie contract still. And so if we want to jump at that opportunity as soon as possible, as well as add talent around, you know, Colin Sexton and Kelly Olenek, um, as well as, you know, add... add you know, talent around those players that are already on the team, Malik Beasley or whoever. Yeah,
0: yeah, I hear you. Um, that's, that's the opportunity to do so, is in 2025, 2024. No, that's where we're at. Riley uh, went with Nikhil Alexander-Walker at 27. We're, we're on
1: you. Okay, and I went with Minnesota's 2023 and 20 for the 28th pick. Um, still loving first-round picks. Not a great first-round pick. We only have three left on the board, but I think this one's going to be the highest of those three. And I like things pushed forward at this point. Let's just get the talent in the door and we'll figure it out later as we approach title contention five to 10 years from now. So I went to Minnesota 2023 and I know where Riley's going.
0: All right, Riley. We're we're gonna we're gonna start going a little rapid fire. We are kind of getting to the end of the draft, so we're gonna kind of mirror what the NBA does with the second draft, and except I'm I'm not Adam Silver. I'm not handing the podium to uh, <laughs> to the deputy commissioner. But uh, we're gonna go a little bit more rapid fire. So uh, where are you going right now, Riley? Okay. Let's. Uh, yeah. Let's just go for it.
2: Cap um, cap space in 2025. I already laid out my uh, reasoning. Excellent.
1: All right, McCade, back to you, man. Cleveland's going to peak in 2025, so it's not a great first-round pick, but it's a first-round pick, so in Cleveland 2025 right here.
0: Yeah, if we could have gotten a Phoenix 2023 pick for, for Bowyan or something without taking on uh, the bad salary or including Jared Vanderbilt, mm-hmm. then uh, we would have jumped at that chance. So, uh, you know, I, I totally get it from that perspective, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Okay, Riley, where where are you headed next?
2: Okay, I'm gonna take uh, cap space in 2024. Um, same reasoning. I just if if we have Victor Wembanyama um, on his sophomore deal, I am gonna
0: build around that as quickly as I can. Yeah, do you feel like uh, there there are other people at the top of this draft class that even that even you know approximate with with just sheer variance? That uh, you know what what uh, Victor you know e- even on some of the the average scenarios that he could he could result in uh, that excite you I suppose.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I think the two athletic freaks of the draft are uh, Eamon Thompson and uh, and Scoot Henderson. Um, Scoot's got a little bit more of verticality and explosiveness, while uh, Ammon's got a got a bit more a swiftness and speed and he can get around a defender um i i like scoot a little bit more um but it remains to be seen between all three of them i think they're all
0: fantastic options yeah let's just uh let's just give ourselves a chance by being in that sweet spot that you identified in your article all right mckay where are you going man 30 second pick
1: um yeah let's talk 30 second pick let's like i really want to emphasize that 30 second pick and I'm still getting a first-round pick value. Um, I get it. It's the worst of Brooklyn, Philly, Houston, 2023. Shout-out Houston, by the way. Lowest of Brooklyn, Philly. It's going to be low 20s. It's a first-round pick at a 32nd pick in an asset draft. So big shout-out there, even if it's an awful wrong-timing first-round pick. I just got a first-round pick at pick 32.
0: Yeah, so we, we have gone through 32 Utah Jazz assets. We still have... Eight players left on the board. We have no first-round picks remain. We have four seconds left, and we have two trade exceptions and two years of cap space remaining. All right, Riley, you are up, man.
2: All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go in on twenty twenty three cap space now. Mm. Um, a, again, same reasoning. You know, Victor Wembenyama's a rookie. Um, Scoot Henderson's a rookie. Uh, we want to build around them, and I think that that is the number one a uh, thing that you need to do when you've got those types of players. Um, don't, don't waste your time on guys that are negative assets.
1: Okay. That puts me up at 34. Uh, let's go some more players. Leandro Balmero, um, former first round pick hasn't worked out two years into the league. Sorry, two years since being drafted one year into the league. Very, he's a cut candidate, but still high variance. You can still see him turning into something with some good coaching. Um, and we have minutes to spare, right? We have to fill 48 minutes a night for the next 82 games. So let's see what we got. And Balmero is one of those players I hope we get to see. Um,
2: Balmero was one of four players that did not see the court on, uh, on Sunday night. Uh, we'll see what happens tonight. But <laughs> I, I'm not feeling great about his, uh, his chances of making the roster at this point.
1: Yes, I was very surprised at that. He won a gold medal. But he did not look good in America either. Um, although I would say Jared Butler getting those minutes probably more likely played himself out of a roster spot. Like I almost wouldn't want those minutes because you're more likely to play yourself off than you are to play yourself on. But yes.
2: Um, okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Talon Horton Tucker for my next pick. Um, he he did see the floor for a whole eight minutes um, in that game. It's it's been a quite it's a steep drop off from that first round pick uh, McCade took four picks ago, but. Talon Tucker, he, I think he's better than the second-round pick at this point. Um, there's a chance that, you know, he is decent because he's explosive and, you know, big and fat and whatever. I don't know, you know. man.
0: If we package him <laughs> and, uh, and Stanley Johnson with, you know, a first-round pick, dude, who freaking knows what we could uh, walk into asset-wise? we could maybe get Patrick Beverly, you know,
1: I had Balmaro, Horton Tucker and Rudy Gay in a group of three. So I have Rudy Gay next 36 for one reason, one reason only to make trades in the NBA, you have to match salary and Rudy Gay is making 7 million this year and 7 million next year. And that can help you match salary. And so there's no such thing as a bad contract between seven and 17 mil, at least at the 36 pick. So shout out Rudy Gay.
0: There you go. There you go. Um, and it, it's interesting, you know, for people who can't see the board yet, the uh, jazz draft picks from uh, the 2020 draft, Jared Butler and Yudoka Azubuki through 36 picks are still on the board. That was a banger of a draft now, wasn't it? <laughs> All right, Riley, you're up, man.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm going to go right with you there. I'm going to take Yudoka Azubuki. Um Yeah, (laughs) what is there to say? I mean, we we hope that he can be, you know, maybe have a chance at being a role player, maybe, that dunks and blocks a few shots. Um, I I think that there's a chance that you could eventually turn him into a positive asset that is giving you 10 minutes a night and, you know, providing a little bit more than he's getting paid for.
0: All right, McCade, where are you going?
1: I got no more players on my board. Just throwing that out there. Riley, you can have whatever players you want. I'm going with Memphis' 2026. I knew you
0: were going with a second.
1: Um, I don't want Jared Butler. I don't want Cody Zeller. I went with Memphis' 2026. Um, a, I think teams are more likely to trade away picks that aren't their own. And B, I would rather cheer against Memphis than cheer against Utah in terms of second-round picks. So... That's why I have Memphis twenty twenty six over the Jazz three second round picks, which I do. I don't want to mention it, but I have to. The Jazz only have three their second round picks in this draft, and that's not fun. So I put Memphis's twenty twenty six above the others, uh, for that reason. Okay,
0: Riley, your last selection. Where are you going? It's slim pickings at this point.
2: <laughs> yeah, it is slim pickings.
0: Uh, I I am
2: tempted to go with twenty twenty five Utah unprotected, but. I'm going to go with Jared Butler. Um, I, I've seen enough out of him to warrant him having the potential to not necessarily be a Mike Conley-level player, um, but to be in the same mold, right? Uh, he, he's been talked about as a sophomore veteran um, by Will Hardy, uh, where he's like kind of a coach on the floor, and he's kind of a... Uh, a, a A strong influence on the other players and um, you know, I I just it's it's not necessarily that I think that he's gonna be the best player in the league, but I I think that he probably provides us a higher impact sooner than a twenty twenty five. I'll happily
1: take that twenty twenty five second round pick. Yeah, it's a pick. If the Jazz are still bad, it's like a top thirty seven pick and that has value. So might as well throw it in my back pocket at pick number forty.
0: And that is 40 Utah Jazz draft selections. Way to go. Uh, so what was left on the board? Players, Cody Zeller, Stanley Johnson, Sabin Lee, all cut candidates for the Jazz as they need to trim their roster ahead of the regular season. Uh, picks for the Jazz are the 2026 and 2029 second rounders from Utah. And then other assets that were remaining was cap space in 2022, not much left. And the trade exceptions for Joe Ingles and Rudy Gobert. Before we go, Ray, i got to ask, what was lowest? Last on my board was Cody's. Um, Mine
1: was Sabin Lee. Anyway.
0: Ah, okay. uh, well, awesome. Th- this was fantastic. Thank you guys so much for coming on. You know, they say you want to be smart. You want to be successful. S- surround yourselves with smart, successful people. And those, those people are you guys to me. So I appreciate you lending your, your expertise, your opinions. And uh, we'll be flooding the Twitter waves with their selections. So please tell the good people who are listening and watching where they can find you guys on Twitter to commend you for your brilliance. Yeah, um you can find me at, at Argus11,
2: R G I S S 11. I'm always posting just dumb stuff. Don't worry about it. It's 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 fun though. It's fun for me and uh I hope that, you know, it can it can help other people have a little bit of insight and analysis
0: in their lives.
1: Uh right there with Riley on everything. Follow me at McCade That's McCadeP8. That's M C C A D E P 8. You know what to do.
0: Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. We will be we'll be back someday soon to have more high-level Utah Jazz GM-like GM wannabe type discussions. <laughs> Thanks again, guys.